Good morning, everybody. My name is Don. I'm one of your pastors here at Legacy, and whether you're joining us online or here in person, it's great to have you as part of our worship this morning. As a reminder, for those of you online, we will be having communion towards the end of worship, so you'll want to get those elements ready. <clears throat> so a guy walks into the pharmacy and asks for a bottle of arsenic. The pharmacist tells the man that you, in order to buy arsenic, you need a, a prescription, a legal prescription. So the man uh, hands him a slip of paper, and the pharmacist looks at the paper and looks at the man and says, Sir, I need more than just a picture of your mother-in-law. <clears throat> Do you know why Adam and Eve are the happiest couple ever? Neither one of them had a mother-in-law. Do you know what the difference between outlaws and in-laws are? Outlaws are wanted. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Okay, okay, one more. <clears throat> so a wife goes to the door, and to her surprise, her mother-in-law was standing there. And she goes, oh, what a surprise. How wonderful to see you. How long will you be staying? And the mother-in-law replies, as long as you want me to. What? You're not even going to stay for coffee? All right, you know I'm joking. I love my mother-in-law. I love her. I do. I truly do. And it has nothing to do with it. She even scares me just a little bit. <laughs> so last week we started a new sermon series uh, in the book of Ruth. Uh, and when you first read Ruth, and when you first read it, it looks like a book that is talking about a relationship between a woman and her mother-in-law, who she, whom she loves very, very much, and is, and she is very dedicated to her. Uh, then enters, uh, later in the book, enters an un unmarried man, a bachelor, who meets this young foreign widow and uh, who has left her homeland to accompany her mother-in-law. So this mother-in-law encourages the bachelor and, and urges his mother-in-law, or the young daughter-in-law, to go and make herself available to this man. And so she does, and the two get married, and the one single bachelor now has a wife, and the young widow has a husband, and so there's, it's actually a love story. Well, actually, it's more about Naomi and, and, and her soon-to-be grandson, who's become a king. Well, actually, it's about this king's line, this heritage, so it's actually about, it's actually about Jesus. Actually, actually, this, this whole book is about the providence of God. Ruth is a, is a little book in our Old Testament. It's only four chapters long and is listed in, in a group of books in our Bible referred to as history books. You have Joshua, Judges, you have Ruth, you have First and Second Samuel, you have First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, all these books are history books in our Bible. The book of Ruth is found in your Bibles between Judges and Ruth. And we don't know for sure who wrote the, the book of Ruth, but it is written after the period of Judges. And this is important to know because it gives some context to the, to the background of the book of Ruth. Now, the underlying, underlying the entire book is the revelation of the character and ways and the ways of God. It shows providence, the sovereignty, grace, and, and holiness. And his intention, it shows his intention to the, to sal, uh, the intention of salvation to all people. 
all of this, all of this is going to come out over the next couple weeks. Last week, Pastor Corey shared the beginning of Ruth, how Emelech and his wife Naomi moved from, from Bethlehem with their two sons to Moab because of the famine in Judea. And while they were there, Emelech died. So the two sons married Moabite women, one Orpah, the other Ruth. After they had lived there for 10 years or so, the, the two sons died, leaving the women alone with nothing and, and really no one to care for them. So the story continues in, in verse 6, where Naomi decides that she's going to return to her homeland in Judea. So she and her two daughter-in-laws pack up whatever, whatever little bit they may have and, and take off and begin this journey, this 50-mile journey, back to, to Bethlehem. Ruth and, and Orpah are Moabite women. Uh, they are now immigrants, outsiders, besides being widows. But what makes this even worse is that they, that um, uh, in, in Israel, uh, men were taught to, to avoid those Moabite women. Moabite women were the, the, the type of women your mother warned you about. Ruth and, and Orpah would, be, would, would not be the kind of women a good Israelite man would bring home, would bring home to mom or invite, invite over for a, a family gathering. Naomi believed that God would, would, pro, would provide for her daughter-in-laws, but not in Israel. So in verse 8, she says to, him, to, says to them, Go back to your mother's home, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye. Now Orpah, she accepts this. She accepts, accepts this, she kisses her mother-in-law, and she says goodbye. And reluctantly, she goes back to Moab. There seems really just to be no other choice in this situation. What Naomi was struggling to see in this dark road that she was on, this, this dark time in her life, was that God was still at work, that God loved her, that God loved her daughter-in-laws, and that he still had a plan for their lives. Orpah left, but Ruth made a decision to not only stick with Naomi, but to stick with Naomi's God. And in some of the most beautiful language in all of Scripture, Ruth tells Naomi this, starting with verse 14. <clears throat> but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. 
Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. Ruth had seen enough or heard enough about the one true God that she knew that even though she didn't completely understand everything about God or the the situation that they were in, she knew enough that she wanted to follow the God of Naomi, the God of Bethlehem, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel. And that was enough. Ruth may have have seen the logic in her situation in, in going back to her mother's home, but she made a different choice. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. She obviously... She obviously has already made up in her mind and already made her choice. And she will not be swayed. We need to have that. We need to, have, we need to be like that. We need to have that, that same kind of steadfastness when it comes to following God. We will have choices to make. And we need to be prepared for them. We need to say, no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, no matter what roadblocks, road bumps are in front of us, I will choose to follow God's way. I will choose to cling to the hope in God. As we cling to hope, we develop endurance Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Ruth was born a Moabite. But by the providence of God, she was brought into a family that knew the true God. Their faith was far from perfect. In fact, Naomi's faith is is bitter. She even says in verse 13, Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And later she even changes her name to bitter. Verse 20, Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full But the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Naomi means pleasant. Mara means bitter. It can be easy. It can be easy at times to become like Naomi, can it? God has not met our expectations. 
He has not done, done it the way, the way we wanted him to. He has not provided what we think we should have. He has not been the God that we wanted him to be. We think this way because we hurt. And, and we, want, we want that pain to be on something or somewhere. You know, God can handle that. He can handle that. We can have those moments of selfishness. You know, when our lottery numbers don't come in the way we think they should. I mean, when other people think that we're Methodists, we don't gamble. <laughs> but when, we, when that happens, though, we need, to, we need to go back to what we know to be absolute. And that is that God's love is complete. Even when we don't understand everything that's going on. Naomi's life is not empty because God is still there. He is still working. God is there in a faith that cannot be completely shaken. Despite her bitterness, God is there. And he's there in one of the most unlikely companions that she could imagine, a Moabite woman, a young Moabite woman, whose faith in God is new and immature, but at this point in the story, it's Ruth's endurance in this new faith that saves them both. Hope develops endurance, and endurance leads to discipline. As a believer, God provides that gift of faith to you. Maybe your parents had a part in that. Maybe, maybe you see God's hand in, in your faith development over a long period of time. Maybe it was through a friend. Maybe it was through the, uh, uh, an encounter with a complete stranger. God knew you and he loved you before you even knew you needed him. Ephesians 2 says God saved you by his grace when you believed and you, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. The faith of a Moabite woman who, who could not have it unless God gave it to her. Ruth's faith rescued Naomi from a point of, of terminal bitterness and despair. Discipline of faith keeps us going when, when we can't see our way to a happy ending. We don't get faith from circumstances. We don't get faith from seeing how our own plans might work out. We don't get faith by insisting that God give us what we think we should have. He might have better plans for us, other plans for us. We get faith from knowing a God who provides for his people. Ruth could not have seen all of this, but she believed. And her faith put her in a place where God could provide for her. 
Paul echoes this in Romans 8, and he says, <clears throat> excuse me, and we know that God causes everything to work together for His good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them Excuse me. He gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Paul's point is, here is we just, we, we, we can trust God to provide for his people according to his plan and according to his purpose. Paul does not say that everything happens to us is going to be good. Paul does not say that God always works those things out the way that we want them to be worked out. He says that God works all things for God works all things for his good, his providence. And it moves forward to an ultimate happy ending. Hope develops endurance. Endurance leads to discipline, and discipline leads to God's provision. So Naomi returned to Moab accompanied by her daughter Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Verse 22. Our faith is built on what we know of God. He, provide, he provided a plan of salvation which was demonstrated in the Old Testament and made more clear in the revealing of Jesus Christ. We can believe God is committed to our salvation because he has demonstrated his commitment in the strongest of ways. Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he also give us everything else? Hope develops Endurance. Endurance leads to discipline. Discipline leads to God's provision. God provides faith for those who persevere. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for who you are. Lord, it is, it seems so easy sometimes to lose, to lose sight of who you are and, and who you are in our lives, where we've come from, and we, we look out and we see the, the chaos and the, 
destruction all around us. We get angry when things around us are chaotic and not happening the way we want to or the things that should be going on that we wish were happening. We see friends and family hurt and we, we wonder why. We see destruction and we wonder why. And <clears throat> Lord, help us not to become Amara. Help us, Lord, as we struggle, struggle against bitterness. Help us, Lord, to Lord, find that spot. Lord, help us to find that spot when we first knew you. That joy, that feeling of warmth that came into our heart when we first knew you. And Lord, if there's anyone who can't, who can't remember that, Lord, if they can't find that spot for themselves to overcome that bitterness, Lord, send them a Ruth. Lord, send them a Ruth who can help bring that back. Lord, help our hearts to be open. Lord, to be open to you, to your word, to the Ruth. Lord, help us not to be a bitter people. Help us, Lord, to grow in endurance. Help us to grow in your love. Help us to be better. Help us to be more like you in all the things we say and do. Lord, help us to grow. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Let us pray now together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.